Welcome to the NPS MedicineWise podcast, helping health professionals stay up to date with the latest news and evidence about medicines and medical tests. Hi and welcome. My name's Anna. I'm a medical advisor for MPS Medicine Wise and I'll be your host for today's podcast. As you might be aware, our last few episodes have been focused on issues surrounding medicines and medical tests in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we'll be looking specifically at the topic of cardiovascular disease and the impact that COVID-19 has had on its management. And I'm pleased to announce that we're joined today by Natalie Rafool from the National Heart Foundation. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Anna. Thanks for having me. Yeah, look, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm a uh, cardiology uh, or clinical pharmacist by background. Uh, So I used to work in the hospitals and the cardiology wards. Um, And I'm currently the uh, cardiovascular risk reduction manager at the Heart Foundation. And prior to this, I was at NPS Medicine Wise as the cardiology and diabetes clinical lead. It's a small world, huh? It is. Um, Thanks again for joining us. We're lucky to have you on. Um, So MPS Medicine Wise recently collaborated with the National Heart Foundation on a COVID-19 webinar that focused on cardiovascular disease. The webinar recording is now available online and some interesting discussion points came up around heart health uh, in the context of this pandemic. So to start us off, Nat, um, would you kindly summarise some of the issues that that were raised in that webinar? Yeah, sure. Look, I think it was an interesting discussion. We we sought to um, unpick some of the uh, challenges and and areas of improvement for managing cardiovascular disease during the COVID and maybe even in the wake of the COVID nineteen pandemic. And some of the, I think the the key issues that came through were um, being able to understand the connection between COVID nineteen and, and cardiovascular disease and and some of the uh, cardiac manifestations of the infection itself. Uh, we had a good meaty discussion about um, ACE inhibitors and, and angiotensin receptor blockers or ARBs and their connection to COVID-19 or, or perhaps some of the speculation around that. And I think uh, we also brainstormed some fantastic strategies to stay connected with our cardiac patients during this time. And um, not only, you know, offering them some of the new um, relevant medicine-related policy changes, you know, for instance, uh, being able to offer them that home delivery of medicines, but also just ways to ensure that we're reaching them during a time where more and more people are, are perhaps staying at home. So it was, yeah, it was an all-round good good um, discussion, and I think it was great to have experts like yourself um, on board to, to brainstorm with. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Nat. Um, So you touched on something that is quite important um, and hoping to elaborate on that a little bit further. What can you actually tell us about the link between COVID-19 and cardiovascular disease? Yeah, sure. Look, I think um, Anna, this was probably one of our biggest concerns when um, the the pandemic struck, so, so to speak, um, a few months ago. And, you know, especially initially, there was a lot of um, data coming through that, that showed the vulnerability of cardiac patients to uh, COVID-19, uh, and particularly the, the, the severe consequences of the infection. So, you know, here at the Heart Foundation, that was probably one of our biggest priorities to help, you know, t- to firstly 
better understand what that connection looks like and then also to support um, patients living in the community with cardiovascular disease. And what we've actually found um, is that, you know, the emerging data points to a higher vulnerability of these patients to some of the most severe consequences of of COVID-19 infection. So they're more likely to be um, admitted to an ICU if they are infected and they're also more likely to die as a consequence of COVID-19. Um, and, you know, the, the case fatality rate uh, is something like fivefold higher in people with cardiovascular disease compared to the overall COVID-19 population, like infected mm-hmm. population. So it's, wor- you know, that, that was worrying uh, to begin with. Um, but there's lots more, more information on that, by the way, in the our most recent consensus statement that the Cardiac Society and the Heart Foundation produced, uh, published recently in the MJA. So there'll be links to that uh, with this podcast. But have a look at the, the real detail on that. But the other important part, so like that's one thing, the vulnerability of, of the patients to severe consequences. But then the other side of that is um, the actual cardiac consequences of the infection. So I think a lot of us were focusing on COVID-19 as a respiratory disease or respiratory infection, but um, perhaps we weren't um, giving enough attention to the fact that it also has the potential to cause uh, damage to the heart or have cardiac consequences, um, you know, worsen existing heart conditions or create new um, cardiac issues. Exactly. And, so, you know, the, the top ones for the, the COVID-19, uh, you know, sorry, related to COVID-19 are probably um, to do with left ventricular dysfunction. We're seeing uh, a, a lot of acute cardiac um, tissue injury, uh, things like myocarditis or endocarditis in, in hospital settings, a heart failure, just like any other uh, infection, a respiratory infection, heart failure um, worsens with COVID-19. And we're also seeing ventricular arrhythmias and, and ECG changes in patients that are uh, diagnosed with COVID-19. Mm, it's very interesting. Um But on the flip side, we also, I guess, need to consider that and be mindful of the fact that some of the drugs being used to treat COVID-19 can also have cardiac effects such as, you know, long QT. And further to that point, I guess one of the the other big themes that came through on the webinar was this concern around ACE and ARBs and whether they should be continued or stopped. So, um, Natalie, would you mind telling us what the consensus is regarding the use of these medicines and what the National Heart Foundation's position is? Yeah, sure. I think. Look, Anna. I think this was probably one of the biggest medicine-related issues that came through, or well, maybe second to the hydroxychloroquine drama. Um, but it was it was big. It was. It, um, and when I say that, I don't just mean in, in the medical media or the medical world. Um, our Heart Foundation helpline had um, almost double the number of calls during COVID nineteen, and one of the key issues that came through was people calling up asking, "Do I stop my blood pressure lowering medicines?" Um, because of all that they had heard in the media and things like that. So it was. So Certainly, you know, a, a bit of a issue, and um, you can imagine questioning the safety and value of ACE inhibitors and, and uh, ARBs, mm. the the kind of the pillars of um, how our management <laughs> exactly. of heart, you know, heart failure, hypertension, heart disease. So, yeah, so, I mean, sorry, the, the audience probably knows, but, you know, there was that earlier speculation around um, the COVID-19 virus um, potentially being able to enter or, you know, being able to enter the uh, cells by binding to human angiotensin-converting enzyme 2 or the ACE2 um, uh, receptor. And animal studies suggest that, you know, ACE inhibitors and ARBs, they actually may upregulate the ACE2 
receptor, expression of that receptor. And so theoretically, um, medications that upregulate those receptors will increase susceptibility of COVID-19 infection. That was the, that was the speculation or the hypothesis. Um, but, you know, what we know now um, quite clearly is that there's no current clinical data to, to show that COVID-19 um, disease severity or susceptibility is different in people taking ACE inhibitors or ARBs. Um, so, you know, that's really important. I'm not talking about animal studies, I'm talking about human clinical trial. There's nothing there that is is compelling uh, of a high quality. Uh, in fact, I think just, just recently in, in May, there were three uh, studies published in the New England Journal of Medicine that um, provided further evidence to support this you know, the, this hypothesis that actually there's no connection between COVID-19 and, and ACE inhibitors and ARBs. You know, those studies have their inherent weaknesses, but it's reassuring to see that um, we're just getting more and more emerging data to show that, um, you know, that this connection is not really, you know, valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so leading bodies, the Heart Foundation, the Cardiac Society in, and the National COVID-19 Clinical Evidence Task Force have all come out really strongly and said, look, don't change the way you... You use ACE inhibitors or ARBs, continue to use them where they're indicated. Um, and, and don't forget that, you know, these are well-established um, medications that have, that you know, th- that we, we do have evidence of the value um, of, of their impact in things like heart failure, hypertension and, and coronary heart disease. So don't cease them, please. <laughs> <laughs> Great advice there, Nat. So I guess um, the last issue to to raise today is that of chronic disease follow-up and the drop in patients presenting for chronic disease management and preventative health. So from the National Heart Foundation's perspective, um, why is this concerning and what can health professionals do to encourage patients to return for, for that management? Yeah, no, look, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I think as things progress with the, the you know, the pandemic and we see uh, perhaps, you know, the flattening of that curve, um, restrictions easing across the country, um, the these kind of indirect consequences of COVID-19 are just going to become more and more important uh, for us to tackle. And, you know, as you've alluded to, the, the biggest issue um, in, in this in this space is the, the drop in people really just not coming in for visits face-to-face visits, whether it's a, a you know, GP consult, whether it's walking through the front door of their community pharmacy, whether it's uh, getting their blood tests from their pathology um, centre, all of that, ha- we, we, you know, we've seen an all-round uh, drop in, in visits. And if you take something like um, preventative health assessments or screening and focus, let's say, on, on um, CVD risk assessment through something like the heart health check, we'll see something, yeah, really significant, a 60% drop in heart health checks in April compared to the previous month. So screenings really, uh, you know, taken a big hit, understandably. We were f- probably a lot more focused on, you know, caring for the acute and the, the people that are diagnosed. But um, as restrictions start to ease, I think our biggest challenge is going to be able to really re-engage with that cohort of, um, of patients. Uh, and, you know, the way we can do this, I think um, it, it differs depending on, you know, what the practice is set up to do, whether it is a GP practice or indeed a community pharmacy or um, otherwise. But I think it's it's probably going to be more about using you know, telehealth where we can as much as we can to reach our vulnerable patients, uh, particularly now that the, the telehealth items uh, are, you know, al- allow for chronic disease management support. I think, you know, continuing to use that's going to be really, really important. Um, 
the other, you know, absolutely critical thing is going to be to to reassure patients that face-to-face visits are actually safe and may be necessary. Um, and so wherever there's a physical examination needed, they, they do have to come in. If they need a blood test, they do have to come in. And, um, you know, that I think has already been started by groups like the RACGP who've, who've got you know, a bit of a, um, a campaign going on about that. So it's good to hear. But the last uh, um, tip or if not plea <laughs> that the Heart Foundation has is that, you know, we probably have to be a bit more uh, creative in, in how we're integrating cardiovascular care into our day-to-day routine consultations. And, um, you know, so for instance, you know, we heard in the webinar, for example, um, Barbara had some great tips from how, you know, while she was running her flu clinic and bringing people in for their flu vaccine, which, you know, thankfully lots of people have done that. Um, as part of that, she was also taking their blood pressure and, and taking their other um, cardiovascular risk factors, doing a bit of a quick assessment and saying, hey, you want to come back in a month and, and we'll do your heart health check or, or, you know, we'll do something else or, you know, whatever else was relevant for them. So I think integrating stuff into existing consults is going to be really important. And then the other, um, you know, feedback we're hearing from community is actively recalling people in is probably going to be the way to go. Um, a lot of practices, especially as, you know, restrictions ease and perhaps the the you know, if they're not involved in COVID-19 testing, they're waiting for, you know, work. They're sitting there waiting for people to come in and see them. So active recall, I think, is going to be another key initiative. Um, so, you know, it, now's the time to consider, okay, you know, if, you're, if you've got 45, patients 45 and up um, and they don't have heart disease, recall them in for a heart health check. Let that be your gateway to screening a whole number of chronic diseases and uh, set up that ongoing risk management plan with your patients, for example. So, yeah, active recall is going to be important. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, Nat. Um, that was very comprehensive. Um, and look, thank you so much for your time today, Natalie, and thanks to everyone for listening. Um, for more information uh, or to even watch the National Heart Foundation webinar recording, uh, please visit the MPS Medicine Wise or National Heart Foundation website. There will be a link uh, at the bottom of this podcast as well. Also, if you have any questions about or suggestions for our podcast series, please reach out to us via Twitter or LinkedIn. Thanks again. For more information about the safe and wise use of medicines, visit the NPS MedicineWise website at nps.org.au.